0: Welcome to Who's That Girl, a new girl podcast. I'm Kritika. And I'm Kelly. And today we'll be discussing season one, episode 18, Fancy Man part two.
1: This episode aired March 27th, 2012 and was written by Berkeley Johnson and Kim Rosenstock. Both of them also worked on the writing staff and roles in relation to Fancy Man part one. Uh, and the director for this episode was Matt Shackman, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, he only directed one episode of New Girl, but uh, he is a prominent director of WandaVision, which we did just reference uh, for a show that Randall Park is going to be starring in, but then also um, he directed The Good Wife, many episodes there. That's one of my favorites, so I guess I really like his directing. Um, Also, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he did many episodes there, did a few episodes of Psych. He did an episode of Happy Endings, the same show as uh, Damon Wayans Jr., and did two episodes of Game of Thrones, all directing. So it seems like he's had a prominent career. But then for Fancy Man Part 2, the storyline is basically this. Jess recaps her awkward first date with Russell, and after discussing it with the guys and Cece, she asks Russell out for a second date. It then also goes awkwardly. Uh, But then they're able to talk it out by the end of the episode. And meanwhile, the coolest guy Nick knows, Dirk, is visiting and they end up having this large house party with lots of undergrads and craziness and drinking. I don't know. Lots of craziness. But then Winston and Shelby realize that they don't really want to have space between them. And Winston also learns that Schmidt and Cece have been hooking up. So... Really, a lot happened in this episode, and we're going to dive in first with Jess and Russell. Russell, I can't, it was so crazy how Jess is flashing back. She's like, hey guys, I think this date was weird and it didn't go well, and she even, she's explaining how, you know, she was saying some weird things where she's like, yeah, the guys I usually go on dates with, uh, they really skip the date, and go right for the gold. And you're just like, oh, Jess. But then she goes, oh, it's not even the weirdest part because Russell didn't give her a kiss or like a hug. He just gave her a pat on the back.
0: It was really awkward to watch. I love the comedic purpose of it to like show us something awkward, but have that not be what Jess thinks is awkward. She's only about something else, but everybody thought the whole pat was awkward because – he leaned in like he was going to hug her. And I don't think it would have been weird to hug her, especially if he's already that close and patting her on the back. But I'm sorry, Russell, I don't have an explanation for you.
1: Well, and like Jess, I immediately too would want to talk about that with everyone I know to be like, wait, this was weird, right? And yes, yes, Jess, it was. It was weird. And I also from that would think like I'm, I'm kind of surprised that she even – Took it a step further. Like, it could have honestly just died there and been like, oh, well, we went on a date. It didn't really work. It was really awkward the whole time. And it ended with a pat on the back. So that didn't work out. But I guess she still really liked him enough to, you know, take Cece's advice and want to call him herself.
0: I think it's because in that scene when she's talking to Cece, she talks about how she loved even the pat on the back. It was like weird, but he kind of made it like, hot or interesting or something like that. And so I think that's why he got a second date with her because even though he kind of messed up and in her eyes didn't find the moment really, he still made it sensual, I guess. Something that she would still enjoy and want to be with him for.
1: I guess so. I will say the moment, though, when she's telling the guys, which also, I guess I'm glad in this episode that she did go tell Cece pretty immediately to be like, "Uh, I need Cece's opinion because you guys aren't helping me. Because... (laughs) She was trying to like joke with them and be like, oh, you know, haha, like I thought I'd get a front pat, haha, you know, and they're like, oh, hey, that's funny, you know, like guy humor. But then she's like, it's fine, guys, you don't have to come to me when you need help because you're not helping me. And they're like, great, we don't want that. She's like, no, no, wait, no, wait, it's a joke. I'm sorry. I take it back. Please come to me. I need your support. Or like, I love to support you.
0: I think it's also very indicative of something that we've kind of covered in previous podcasts. We always wondered why she never went to CC more and why, you know, she's been with CC for so long. They've gone through school together, but for some reason, she trusts these guys even more and goes to them for advice. But in this episode, she kind of made it sound like she was only going to CC because the guys weren't giving her good enough advice. Like, oh, fine, I guess I'll go. I have to go ask CC. So I wonder if that stems from something deeper where, you know, we talked about on previous podcasts that CeCe's kind of like, everyone's flirting with you and Jess doesn't want that, or if it's just that she wants a male perspective on men.
1: I I mean, I think that's a really interesting perspective on that because it does it it definitely doesn't still seem natural for Jess to be like, I need my girlfriend stat. Like I need her, I need her here. I need to chalk talk with her first. Like it definitely it's either an afterthought or it's just like, wait, I didn't get the help I needed. And yeah, I, I think that's an interesting perspective that you're pointing out as well.
0: And I think it's kind of furthered by the fact that if we think back to Jess and Julia, there she did go to Cece and Sadie right away. So I think it is centered around the man's perspective of men and she's not really trusting Cece's input on that. And it could stem from a lot of insecurities, even from like episodes we've seen where she thought everybody was only into Cece and we're just like trying to get to Cece through her kind of thing with the Eduardo scene But I guess, like, it kind of gives some weight to why some of the things that we've been seeing that aren't natural, like you're saying, maybe it is because she just doesn't trust Cece's opinion
1: on men. But if, I mean, Cece is really pushy. I mean, we even see that in this episode, and we'll talk about that a little bit more with, like, her and Schmidt, but Cece's whole personality and MO is very pushy on, like – just do this. I mean, even, I guess, in the scene, right? She's like, oh, well, he's sophisticated, Jess. Like, you're sophisticated. He's sophisticated. You need to give this guy a call. But, like, even in that moment, you know, Jess pulls out her bunny phone. Also, can we just note, too, that, like, already it's only season one, 2012, and we've moved away from the flip phones already in this this show. So that's kind of fun to see. Um, but I love her like red bunny phone case and it's like so loud and silly and goofy and very Jess, right? So Jess, but then Cece like rolls her eyes. So I don't know. I feel like, you know, even in that moment, Cece was trying to be a little forceful and be like, you know, you're sophisticated, Russell's sophisticated. That's who you deserve. You were dating boys before, but then even if Jess is like, Worthy of dating a sophisticated guy She still pulls out her bunny phone Like there's parts of Jess that are not Sophisticated and that's okay
0: I agree and we kind of see her trying to like Get into that on the second date and she You know they make it a point To have her do more of like an updo And like her dress is like what you Would consider a little bit fancier and I like That they took the care to put that in And I also didn't appreciate How forceful Cece was about it Because I do think that Jess can be more sophisticated. I do think she's made bad choices in the past with people like Spencer, but someone like Paul was good for her too. And I wouldn't say that Paul is necessarily sophisticated. It's kind of up in the air, but I loved when she was with Russell and she asks him about the Beatles because she can't really, I guess, tell the uh, age difference that well. And she's like, oh, like, how, were you sad when they broke up? And he was like, I was one. So no. <laughs>
1: No, yeah. I don't know. To Cece's point, I did think that Jess was getting in her head a little bit. So I mean, it was good for Cece. I mean, I don't know. I feel like we were talking about Cece at a larger as a larger conversation. But then in the moment, maybe it was really the right time for her to like, give her friend a push and be like, hey, don't let this go. Like, okay, it was an awkward first day. But like, try again, you know, you call him. So I at least am glad that Jess kind of went out there for that second date, but then she totally got in her head about how Russell's older and I don't know what to talk about with him, but it's like, you don't need to try that hard. But then I mean, even one of the things she's saying is like, how's your prostate? And you know, Oh, I had a mammogram recently and it's fine. Just boob in there. And you're just like, Yes. Like, what are you saying? Like, oh my God. You know, like, is this something you would say to anybody else? Like, why him? Is like, And really, he's not that much older than you. So
0: I do feel like she would say that to other people, especially like the, they're fine, just in there. Like, I think that is something she would say to other people. But I think the thing is, it plays on that classic TV trope that until you're dating, you can have this completely normal conversation. You can be yourself. But when you put that aspect in, it's like you forget how to be yourself. You have to like play a part of this human that like you think the other person wants. And I understand it as a TV trope. I do think it happens in real life to some extent as well. But I also think that if somebody likes you before you're dating, assuming it's not only about looks, then they know who you are and they know what they're signing up for. So you don't have to be completely different because they already know you, presumably. And I know Jess and Russell aren't very close and haven't spent a lot of time together, probably prior to this first date. But I do think that she's made it very clear where she stands. Like she fell in a koi pond. There was a Japanese bidet. Who she was, she was Mr. Monogamy. I don't think she needs to try so hard, but I do think you're right. Cece needed to push her to to make the second date, but not to be this person that she's not.
1: I mean, it's kind of funny you were recapping, you know, so far, what has, what have we seen their experiences to be? And honestly, it's like the classroom scene, they meet and there was the Mr. Monogamy and she's talking about like sex ed with the cucumbers and all of that. And then later it was the party and that was chaos, you know, and she falls in a koi pond. And now this time it's like, okay, well, we went on a date out to dinner and he ended it with a pat on the back and the second date ends not only with like awkward conversation, but Russell literally running away from the table. So I think on one hand, it's like, okay, well, Russell's sophisticated because he's older and he has money and stuff like that. But at some level, like them together is a chaotic relationship because (laughs) nothing has been normal for them so far or that we've seen, you know, it's been hilarious, but also like awkward moment time after time in fancy man one and fancy man two
0: i would agree that it's pretty chaotic and you know we see russell and we also have the lens of being the audience of it i'm giving just a little bit of a hard time in tv in general but i know that it's it's definitely more nuanced than that when you're in the situation if someone is running out on you you probably are not thinking to yourself oh but they liked me for me so i get it
1: Well, I get it. And then also though, in Russell's perspective, I, I don't really get why he would just like literally run out of the restaurant. And we do see later, you know, later he comes back to the loft to find Jess and say, um, you know, what had happened, but then he explains how it's like, Oh, my daughter was basically having a medical emergency and I needed to go get, you know, the thing for his daughter, which from one hand, I feel like Jess knows the daughter because it's her teacher. And that would be weird, especially if, they still have this really weird chaotic awkward relationship that isn't defined but then i i feel like maybe maybe Russell didn't need to go into detail but maybe he could have said something like hey somebody has a medical emergency and needs me and i need to leave i don't know i just i just felt for Jess in that moment and it totally explains like her in the next scene where she's just like, I'm so sad. Like, <laughs> I would be sad. That was horrible. Like, that would be heart-wrenching is to, like, put yourself out there and call and then have someone, like, run, literally run out at you, but, like, throw money at you. So I, I was, like, mad at Russell in that moment. And I guess it's good. We'll, we'll kind of get back to them and, like, how it kind of closes up. But I – they just continue to be chaotic so far. <laughs> I –
0: understand what you're saying and if I were Jess I would feel the same way but with it being the way it is like I kind of understand Russell's point too if you're in a crisis mode you're not in the mode to explain everything and I think this if this was present day he would have just texted her right after he left to say like oh this is what happened as opposed to coming to find her but I think that does have a personal touch to it that I I definitely didn't have any issues with that. I felt for Jess like you did, but I was very on the same page as Russell as soon as I found out why he left. But the only reason they're able to reconcile, and it's this like clarity that it is, is because Nick has a friend visiting and it's the coolest guy he knows, Dirk.
1: Which I have to just say, like, sorry, Nick, but sorry, not sorry. Dirk is the literal worst everything he does in this episode is just like, you know, like, I shudder and I'm like, it feels icky. And I just don't want it around. Like, I don't know, especially starting the whole the whole episode with him looking like Winnie the Pooh, (laughs) going to the bathroom. And you're just like, why wouldn't you close the door, which I get that it's kind of this communal bathroom thing with like, the, the urinals and whatnot, but then, like, don't pull your pants all the way down. That's, like, not how you go to the bathroom. There is,
0: like, an actual, like, toilet there as well as urinals. And so, like, if he wanted to do that, he could have just, like, stepped into the area with the toilet. I just think it's very inconsiderate, but – I think that very much lines up with what we see of Dirk. He is not the kind of person that is trying to think about others.
1: No, and he even like comes up behind Jess and like puts his hand over her and was like saying poetry and you're just like – But Nick, Nick is so like – clouded for whatever reason he's like oh he went to law school with him and like he was getting he just collects degrees and you know he's the coolest guy I know which I think it's just like Nick's like in a way it's like his innocence of of this guy you know it's like oh he this guy just has a lot of degrees and that's really cool you know like why I don't know why Nick thinks Dirk is so cool there's really no substance to that
0: I like the way Nick says the line and how it is repeated throughout the episode. And I'll also give Dirk that actually getting a bunch of degrees is kind of cool in the sense of it is nice that you'd be able to spend the time and money to learn whatever you want. I think that is actually a very cool concept. But one other thing that kind of bothered me about this, other than Dirk as a whole, because I did not enjoy his character, was Nick and Dirk were roommates in law school. They were roommates. So how does this play out in the timeline of this entire apartment? Like, I don't understand.
1: It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. Because we were saying that Nick and Schmidt were roommates in undergrad, in in theory. But then Winston and Nick lived in the loft before Schmidt moved into the loft. But where did Nick go to law school And when did he meet Dirk? And how did no one else really know Dirk other than Nick?
0: It feels like they knew him, but they didn't like spend time with him. But
1: I mean, understandably, because Dirk is the worst.
0: (laughs) I mean, we know a lot of characters that are the worst that they've lived with. Schmidt lived with Benjamin and then they both came to LA. And it's just, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just wanted to say (laughs) that we think it's crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But another moment like that. I feel like just adds to that too is, is when we do get to see Dirk in his, in his like thing, you know, you think, Oh, he has this like lecture. He's like a professor. He's a visiting professor, whatever he's doing at the, at the university. And I just have to say, like he has this moment where he's trying to connect Dylan Thomas, the poet to Bob Dylan, the musician. And he's trying to say how it's all one big connection. And I'm just looking at the scene and like seeing his PowerPoint And rolling my eyes like this dude is pretentious and he is just all about himself, like thinking he knows so much and making such a connection. So I, I mean, we're just kind of going on now about Dirk, but that too, for me, like that lecture scene, you're just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like you're really not smart. Nick has really not the right understanding of who you are.
0: (laughs) I think what Kelly's saying is that we were Winston in that scene, asking, do we have to? Do we have to listen to the end of this? Can we just skip forward?
1: Yeah, exactly. And here's something that I wish that they had more than one sentence on in this episode, because I felt like there could have been more reasons for Dirk to be a jerk. <laughs> Jerks <again. laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like there could have been more reasons for Dirk to be a jerk in this episode, because what they end up finding out is Nick asks him like, oh, how's Deb? And he's like, oh, well, she left me and took the house or something. And that's supposed to be maybe the backstory to Dirk about why he's obnoxious and like pretentious and on his own.
0: I don't think it's why he became obnoxious.
1: It just seemed weird for that to like come up so briefly and like to be such a a thing for like Nick to actually try to be friends with this guy on a deeper level.
0: Right. I think you are correct in the sense of, I think that Nick kind of idolizes Dirk a little bit in a way that's just, I'm so lucky to be friends with you, which is why he's the coolest guy I know. So when you have that kind of a relationship, if the other person is kind of high and mighty, which Dirk is, You don't have that genuine relationship. So he doesn't have that same thing that he has with Schmidt and the other loft mates, even Jess already. But he instead has a jerk who just wants to like hit on young girls. And it's just all very sleazy.
1: It's sleazy and icky still. And he like, even specifically calls out, he goes, the thing I was missing in my life was undergraduate ladies. And I'm just like, ew, period. Ew, period. <laughs> like, gross, you know? And my, my immediate, like, thought in that my moment, because he then goes on to say, like, oh, well, nothing more than, like, these women want than to just hear that they have potential, you know? And, like, women our age just want babies, you know? And I'm just like, no, women want more than that. Surprise. Like, <laughs> you're, you're very mis, mis, misguided, and you are not going to be successful in your in your situation right now.
0: (laughs) And I think Nick starts to feel that too, because at first he's kind of uncomfortable. Like they end up throwing an after party at their loft and he feels out of place. He feels too old. And eventually that all degrades, but it starts off with him at least kind of starting to doubt Dirk the same way we are.
1: Yeah. Which for a quick second, I don't know about you, but I definitely had this moment where I was like, wait, Wait, they're at their loft? How did, how did they get to their loft? Because the two girls, like Skylar and I forgot the other one's name already, but I mean, I feel bad about that. Like, they barely mentioned their names. Miriam? They don't. It's Miriam. Miriam. Okay. Then maybe I didn't forget. Um, (laughs) But Skylar and Miriam come up to them after the lecture and they're like, oh, remember there's an after party. There's going to be cheese and wine and like all this stuff. And then, no, the next scene is they're at apartment 4D and having a party. And I'm like, how did all these college kids get to their loft? Where is their loft in relation to the college? How did the logistic? I was mad. <laughs> I don't need to always know logistics. Maybe I talk about that too much, but it, they were clearly going to have a party at the campus. And now they clearly were at their apartment.
0: Part of me a little bit thought they started in some sort of bar and then made it to the loft, which is, Honestly, probably the progression of it, it wouldn't have been immediate, but it's still weird because Dirk doesn't
1: live there. I think, too, it was like a timeline in this episode. It was between when Winston decided to go drive to Mexico to go get Shelby and before everyone got to their house. That's the other thing, too, is that the lecture happened, Winston left, then people showed up.
0: And Cece showed up with schmidt which means that jess would have already left for her date so this is all happening kind of in the middle of their date that really short date so it's like so there's really not enough time for all this we don't love it but you know what's even worse than that nick and dirk partying with these girls that i had to question are you even legal drinking age because nick is flirting with skylar and she's all about the fact that he can get her drunk professionally which great, that's his hook. But is she even old enough to drink? Because the way she was responding to him was just very much like a, you can get me drunk professionally because I can't go to an actual bar and get drunk. That's the vibe I got.
1: And I will say like, there's that trope of, of, you know, young girls trying to be ditzy to like seem cute and stuff. But I don't even think she was doing that. Like the Skylar character was really like coming across as actually ditzy and actually like, Ooh, you can get alcohol. And like, she's in later. Like, I mean, poor Jess comes in at this moment too, you know, and, and Nick is like, Oh, Hey, wait, I'm Skyler's fancy man. How's your fancy man. And I just was like, I d- I will say I really did appreciate the continuation of using the fancy man title of the episode in the show and like reusing what that is meaning to them. So that was really fun. But then Poor Jess is just like, I'm going to die alone. You know, I'm so, so sad right now. My heart hurts. And Skylar, the cute little college girl that's helping, you know, she's like, oh, well, let Nick make you a drink. He's really good at it. <laughs> and So then she takes, she like just grabs the other girl's drink, drinks it and smashes the cup on Nick's head. And I'm just like, okay. Okay, Jess. Like, I don't know. I felt for her, but then I got confused by her, but you know, she, she was ready to let loose. She was, she was over that night.
0: A hundred percent over that night. And I loved the scene where she crashed the cup on his head too, because it was like, it was trying to be the beer can crashing on someone's head, but didn't work because it's a solo cup. And to the episode name drop, I agree. And I think that's probably the only reason this was called fancy man part one and part two, because it's not like we've never seen characters repeat before or storylines extend. So I think that's the main reason that this is called part one, part two, because it also didn't air on the same date. So it wasn't like a longer episode that just was split into two parts by like IMDB or Netflix or something like that. So I thought it was fun, but I also think that this whole concept of Nick being Skylar's fancy man is what prompted me to think that maybe part of the reason Jess liked Russell originally is because he's sophisticated, put together and like older in a way that wasn't diminishing his personality or who he was, but added to it. And I didn't actually think that until this scene because Looking back at the first date, when she said, even the way he patted my back was attractive, I think that has to play with maybe him being older and her kind of acting like a more mature Skylar towards Russell.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely, the parallels were there. So you can really see how that really is the same situation, just with the different people in the loft, right? Like they're different relationships, but I don't know. At least, but then, I don't know, this, this crazy house party is just like continuing to – become a fun event because like literally everyone shows up here at some point and Russell comes in, you know, so like Jess is already like getting drunk and like shouting things and like playing with these college kids, like holding her own with no problem. But then Russell comes in and it's just really sweet that he at least is trying to talk with her and trying to like reconnect and trying to explain why he left. And she was clearly hurt, but like he was at least trying to help.
0: I appreciated. That when she said she wanted a donut, his first reaction was to say, let's get you a donut, which I think sometimes when someone is kind of drunk – you talk down to them a little bit more when someone is sober, especially like on TV. That's how it's portrayed. Um, and we've seen this happen twice now. And both times, I feel like the person who was sober has treated the others with respect, which I think is really healthy. The last time was in injured when Cece was sober and everybody else was drunk. Never does it come across like, oh my God, it's such a pain to take care of you, which I think is a common trope.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was really – I mean, part of, I guess, just the sweet moment. you know. So – Russell Russell, at least realized that he he was coming off as a jerk or it was awkward and not going well. And so, and like you said, I think a little before, it's like he at least, like today, someone would have just texted him and like, yo, sorry, I left, you know, <laughs> and like really awkward text then is, is weird, but he at least showed up and, you know, wanted to apologize in person. But then another, another moment that I just got a little confused on in this episode is, Russell very clearly is saying to Jess, like, hey, I want to talk to you, Jess, alone. Let's go talk somewhere, you and me. And the next scene, the next thing that we see is Russell, Jess, Nick, Dirk, Miriam, Miriam, and Skyler in their car, in Russell's car together, driving. And I'm like, what? Why? how is this the conversation? Like, this is the place you wanted to have this conversation. And like, they do start talking to each other about like, they're not really a DTR, but just like talking about what happened. And they do have that conversation, but even like Dirk puts his hand in the situation. Cause he's in the car and like, I'm just like, how, how, how did we get here? Why is everyone in this car? Where are you going? Like, where are you going? <laughs>
0: Okay, so how did we get here and why is everyone in this car? TV. Because if you say you want to talk alone on a comedy, you're going to end up in a room or a car full of people that you can't escape.
1: To drive in a circle next to a park because you're not actually going anywhere.
0: I thought they were going to get donuts. Oh, but then the girl even... She was like, drop me off on the way. Oh. But here's here's the thing. Ugh. If all of them <laughs> left, we know that Schmidt and Winston are not at the apartment did they leave their apartment full of people and just all leave?
1: That's what I was wondering because like who was there? Nobody was there. Like young undergrad people that at least some maybe if not Skylar and Miriam, some of those people at that party were definitely underage if it was like college kids, right? Like 100%. So
0: it's very possible and probable that there were kids there that should not have been left alone.
1: If that got reported, They would be liable, and they wouldn't even be home. Like, Russell is wise and sophisticated, and he should know this.
0: I mean, in his own words, he doesn't have it all together. We can't expect him to be this, like, amazing man just because we like Dermot Mulroney.
1: (laughs) Because he has a deep voice and a scar on his lip. Gosh.
0: (laughs) But what does end up happening is they don't get to get donuts. We don't get to see the donuts, which is probably better. But the whole scene is stopped by nick because he has to vomit and it's just i'm not gonna read through all of them but every single line of nick after he gets out of the car is just priceless it's so funny
1: it was really funny and my favorite too was just like Nick, after he like gets up from like puking or whatever he was doing, he doesn't turn around and then he's like, guys, where are you? What's going on? And so his first reaction, rather than to turn around, is to call Dirk. Not even like Jess or anybody, call Dirk. And then Dirk just hangs up and he's like, Dirk is dead. Dirk is dead. (laughs) Smartest guy I knew. I think in that line,
0: though, he just sounds so broken and sad like only a person who is confused and drunk can and it, it was just made me want to run up and give nick a hug but instead we got to watch right before that jess and russell like figure out their moment which that is not your moment if somebody is puking on the side it was actually very hard for me to watch that scene because Netflix captions everything. And liquid splashing is not something I needed to know.
1: Right? I think I I think I saw that as well. And I was like, wait, why is there liquid in your what? (laughs) So I don't know, at least at least though, Jess and Russell did get to have this moment, talk it out and kind of get back on the same page with each other and just kind of in a way, like acknowledge that it's kind of been crazy in the few moments that they've felt a connection with each other if that's all that it is at this point but lastly in this episode and we've kind of talked about it here and there there was Shelby and Winston but also Cece and Schmidt so (laughs) Winston and Shelby they're so cute they were cute in this episode for sure 100% but then I just wanted to be like oh honey to to Winston and like that feeling because he's like Everything he's saying is basically like, yo, go have fun at your bachelorette party. Like, I don't need to be with you. And he was, I don't honestly know what he was trying to accomplish.
0: I don't think he was trying to make it a big deal. I think he was just... Truly responding naturally without thinking about how the other person is going to hear it So he was just like no, you shouldn't have to like give up a trip with your girlfriends for me and like we spent time together like it's not like it's something that we need to check off every single day or anything like that, but his choice of words was terrible in the way he said it. And the way Shelby reacted is exactly how I would have reacted in that situation. Like, oh, you want space? I can't hear you. Let's just add – like, there's so much space here. I think I think our exact words were like, I can't hear you over all this space. But 100% I would have reacted that way.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that's called passive-aggressive. And <laughs> Maybe it's not how that should be. No,
0: but it, it definitely – Didn't stand right, like it's it was a momentary passive aggressive, even for Shelby, because they do end up really cutely wanting to reunite and stuff. And I think it was cute that Winston just wanted to check in with her throughout the whole episode. And I think the thing is, he just doesn't equate that to the same thing as like wanting space, like, he doesn't really understand what the word space meant to Shelby. And also, he just hasn't been in a relationship in a while because he kind of made it sound like he hadn't been in a relationship in Latvia or before Latvia. So it's been a long time since he's been in something like this.
1: Yeah, well, and I was, I mean, I will say that even though we didn't really see that, we, I mean, they did seem really cute. And I'm really glad to hear that they were, like, had spent the last five nights together and that they, like, really are kind of expanding their relationship, even though we're not seeing it on screen. So that was fun to see and hear.
0: I also think that just for a second, they are a little bit codependent. I thought it was really cute, but if it's like you can't spend a couple days apart, I think with the nature of their like space talk before, I was like, okay, I'm going to put this to rest. But if you can't spend a couple days apart from each other, that's also a problem Like on the other end of the spectrum.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point because – it was it did definitely came off as like cute, like, oh, like Shelby flew back and like Winston drove to Mexico, like go like see her. But that's a little extreme. <laughs> so could couldn't Shelby just try to find a phone that was working? Like why did why did we give up on the phone so easily? I
0: get Winston's side of it, but I don't really understand Shelby's because Winston made a mistake by saying he wanted space and he hasn't been able to contact Shelby since. But Shelby could have just contacted Winston. Like if you can't call him, email him. That's something that you probably have access to if you're going for a bachelorette because the hotel probably has a computer you could borrow.
1: There was less weirdly obsessive ways to try to get in touch with each other to apologize. But Schmidt and Cece, their relationship to me kind of like had a whole – evolution in this episode because it started out with Cece coming in and saying to Dirk that she was in a committed relationship but that she was the boss which like to me I was like oh well here you are Cece like flexing your relationship being like oh I'm together with someone which also how did Jess not question that how is Jess not wondering who she's with (laughs) but then I don't know but then she goes in to talk with Schmidt and Schmidt's like yeah, I'm busy. You know, like, I don't want to be part of this. Like, I'm done. It's over. And CC's just like not listening. You know, like, she's kind of being bratty. And I was being frustrated by Cece at first.
0: I think it's something that we've been frustrated about Cece for a while now. She's very forceful. We don't like the way she approaches a lot of this stuff. And it kind of continues in this episode. I – I think you brought up a very good point about Jess, though. Like, that is something that if your best friend is dating someone, even casually, you know about it. So my only understanding of how it could be is if she thought Cece was, like, making it up to get Dirk off her back. But I would have expected to see a scene where she, like, pulled her aside when they're talking about Russell to be like, well, what about you? You said you were dating someone. Like, just a two-second step there to be like, are you really dating
1: someone? I think, too, that Jess actually might have left the scene. So maybe that was part of it. Is it all kind of, like, happened to it? Because that's where, like, Jess was going under Dirk's arm, and then Cece comes in. And I think that was, like, on um, not overlapping. Although, like, how did CC just, like, enter the apartment? She goes, oh, your door was unlocked. But, like, why was Cece coming over, I guess? Because just just to, to hang. Just to hang? I don't know. Yeah,
0: because she she also said, remember, like, when she does go to see Schmidt, she says... We've got 10 minutes while Jess showers. Oh, right. So I think the way I see it is maybe Jess wasn't in the scene or maybe Jess even knows that she's hooking up with someone, but she doesn't know who. Because, I mean, if it's someone Jess doesn't even know and it's not even serious enough that it's a real relationship, maybe Jess doesn't, like, need to know who the person is or care.
1: Cece definitely, like, still comes in and she's trying to, like – Keep Schmidt interested and he's really trying to be like no you know I'm I don't know if he was like frustrated or if he was just like not wanting to be bothered at the moment but you know Cece eventually comes in in her like sex secretary outfit which is like really a silly costume and, and Schmidt like totally doesn't like it but Cece actually says like I will do anything anywhere and I'm like no you won't Cece you we you don't listen to Schmidt and you don't want to do anything he wants. And you, if you, if it was anything, like if Schmidt wanted it to be public, you say no to that. And she even, he even says, she even says no to that later, but this is what leads them to hooking up in the back of the car that Winston borrows for himself. So <laughs> that was very, very good comedy. I really love that. I think
0: The anything anywhere was solely sexually and not just like anything anywhere at all. But my bigger problem with this scene was fantasy location number three being the car when a couple episodes ago, he was like, I don't want to have sex in a car because my moves don't work there. Well, if your moves didn't work before, what are they doing now?
1: Maybe it's different in the man, man manulence. That's such a dumb name, by the way, like. Why did he name his car the man I feel like there's a backstory there, which
0: only Schmidt can give us.
1: If only we could have conversations with Schmidt today. I'm not sure. But then, you know, they drive down, like, Winston's driving the car. Schmidt and CZ are in the back. We find that out very quickly. And they're just back there the whole time. And they're not getting dressed and then that even leads to conversation about like, oh my gosh, I'm so cold. How are you not cold, CC And I'm like, put some clothes on. Put some clothes on. Like, what happened to your clothes? You, I don't know. And they end up dressed in the end of the scene too. So I'm like, how? Why?
0: I hated that as well. The only answer I could give myself to like not make it angrier on my part was to say that if they were to get dressed back there, they would absolutely have drawn Winston's attention. And that was the last thing they wanted. But the fact that they would rather be pulled over at customs half naked than to put on clothes did not make sense to me. Like when he got out of the car, why didn't they put on clothes then? It's like, not like you're not going to get found if you're just sitting in the back of the truck.
1: Even Schmidt is like, oh, we've been go- driving for two hours now. Shouldn't we do something? And I'm like, yes. Like, you don't know. Like, literally, Winston crossed a border and you don't have passports right now. Like, it's lucky that they were even let back across the border. Ah, uh, I don't get it. I, I don't know. That was that was kind of funny. Although it was really cute to see Winston, like, singing songs to himself and, like, singing, singing the songs from Wicked and, and all of that. That was really cute. Going to get his love, Shelby.
0: And also Schmidt reacting to Winston's love declarations to Shelby was hilarious because Winston thought he was alone and he was his truest self and it was amazing to watch. But I think that the end scene or like when he finds out that Schmidt and Cece are hooking up is the best thing ever. I thought it was so crazy that I don't even have anything that's so great. It's like it's just so great. Like I loved everything about after Winston found out.
1: I almost did because I thought it was fun that he found out finally, right? But then I had a moment of, wait a minute, why was Winston kind of mad about it? Because he goes, no one can explain this officer or whatever he said, you know? And I'm like, you're literally driving to Mexico to be with your girlfriend. And you're kind of like upset that Schmidt and Cece are hooking up. Like, you don't think, I don't know, the, the, the feeling I got from Winston is that he didn't feel that schmidt deserved cc and that it didn't make any sense right he didn't
0: yeah that's exactly what he says
1: but why would he be mad about that i think he's
0: like first of all shocked and second like it's one of those things where it's like when something very unlikely happens it makes you question everything and he's known schmidt has been obsessed with cc for episodes they both were hitting on cc and cc crashes he was doing things for cc too and to see someone who he thought would never get game and never get CC actually get CC, and and we're using this term, not that we approve of get someone, but like in this context, he hooked up with CeCe at least once. And they obviously make it sound like it's a consensual thing. And he's putting it together with CC's words that morning about being in a relationship. And he's just shocked that someone as douchey as Schmidt Someone like Schmidt is with someone like Cece.
1: But then of all the times, it's literally when he's driving to meet Shelby, his girlfriend, who he can't stay away from and is obsessed with. And you're just like, Winston, you have something really good right now. You don't need to be mad at Schmidt. It's okay.
0: (laughs) I don't think it's a jealousy thing. Like, oh, you're with Cece and I'm not. I think it's just a – what does the world come to if someone like you can be with someone like him? Like he has put CC on a pedestal. He doesn't find the problematic areas of CC that we do. And he just thinks she's the, like, he's basically going off of looks. And he's saying, you're so much hotter than him. How are you with him? Basically. And she says that too. She's like, if it comes out, everyone's going to be like, why are you sleeping with him? Why him?
1: But why did it, ha- I don't know. I guess I just don't know why the writers had to make it that way. Because it could have just been like, Oh, really? Like, I feel like I understand if Winston was mad because he didn't know and he would rather have known. But it was really like Winston was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like no one could have seen this, you know? And I'm just like, I don't know. Not to like dwell on it super a lot, but it was a really funny scene too, because they open the trunk and they're like, how do you explain this? And he goes, oh, I can't, you know, because it's Schmitt and Cece naked in the back of the car. Like, what are you doing? I get it.
0: It was a little bit weird. But it's not the best scene that actually happens about the ambulance because our Schmidtism this time is Schmidt and Winston talking about Schmidt's car and Winston taking it to actually drop Shelby to the airport. So, as always, I will be your Schmidt. And in this week's Schmidtism, Kelly will be Winston.
1: Hey, Schmidt. Yeah. Mind if I borrow your car to take to Shelby to the airport? Oh, I don't have a car, Winston. Hey, Schmidt. Uh, do you mind if I use the, uh, manbulance? The manbulance is resting. He
0: needs to get ready for the corporate team building retreat on Monday.
1: That's cool. I'm sure the manbulance couldn't handle all of Shelby's luggage anyway.
0: What the hell is wrong with you, Winston? The manbulance could fit the luggage of nine Shelbys. It has the towing capacity of a thousand Shelbys. You know what? Here you go, Winston. There you go. Enjoy luxury.
1: All good, man. I got your second set. So thank you. How'd
0: you get my second set of keys?
1: This to me was great on many levels because one, how did Winston get his second set of keys and already like was ready to take the car. He was basically just asking Schmidt as a nicety. He was taking the car, but then also who would let Winston use their car after the injured episode And the craziness that was Winston's illegally gifted SUV. Like, that thing is definitely not up to Schmidt's standards. Schmidt even said so in that episode. And why would Schmidt let Winston use his car?
0: But the thing is, in that same episode, Injured, he says that, like you end up using my car all the time when this one makes that noise and doesn't start and you end up taking my car. So I think that's why Winston has the second set of keys because he's used it. But the way Schmidt reacts in this episode doesn't sound like it. Schmidt makes a car sound like something that's a prized possession that he doesn't let out very often. But then a couple episodes ago, he just said, yeah, you take my car every day.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. And also, why even have a whole episode focused on Winston's ridiculous car and how it broke down?
0: I mean, he doesn't have a car to use. So whose car is he going to use? Nick's? Or Jess's? They, I don't think they could take the luggage for the airport because we know that Schmidt's trunk is sizable and can fit
1: luggage. Or two people hooking up. <laughs> but, also, <laughs> but also, Jess's car, she took... Spencer and his girlfriend to the airport. Literally the same activity. I don't know. So see, I don't know. (laughs) But I guess you're right. Schmidt did did let Winston borrow his car more, maybe more than it seemed. But um, anyway, I was just surprised that that was. But also, how how do you need a car to be ready for team bonding? That that was just my other thing. Like that's to me, that's like the ultimate Schmidt part of this Schmidtism is because. Only Schmidt would say that the car needed to rest to prepare for the team bonding event. Yeah, I mean, it's a very Schmidt-y line. Very Schmidt-y. Not in 2020, this episode. There were really a few different moments. Um, Really, one of the bigger ones for us was Jess at the party. She said a few different things where she actually was like on top of someone's shoulders and was, uh, you know, I feel like a Chinese basketball player. And that was just like a little one line that honestly was, you know, awkward and weird. But then even more, she's playing, you know, like, was it beer pong or they're playing some kind of drinking game, flip cup. And she goes, take your tampon out and drink. And it was really weird to hear that come from Jess you know because it was just trying to like seem broish is that what it was i don't know like trying to insult a college guy that he was on his period and like i don't know that is that like to me, it's a not in 2020 to us because it was just like okay like you're insulting him but tampons are a necessary thing like i don't know it just Undermining his masculinity, Jess, in a drinking game.
0: It just was unnecessary, you know. He she could have just said like anything else instead, like, do this and drink, or just like shut up and drink, you know, put your cup down and drink. And it would have had the same effect. But just this is such a gendered response and like kind of insinuating that women are weaker and like all this stuff that it didn't make sense coming from Jess. And I feel like if this was actually a scene in 2020, it would actually look differently.
1: Yeah. Or, and I know, and we're saying this like, oh, like why did it come from Jess? I think that's even just adding to the confusion and to the like, why would you even say this? But even if like Nick or Schmidt or Dirk even said this, this line of like, take your tampon out and drink, like it would still feel weird. It would still sound weird, but then Like it would still be a not in 2020 moment for us, but just it's even heightened, I feel like coming from Jess. And especially right after the other comment of just like, oh, I'm tall, like a Chinese basketball player. And you're just like, is sad, heartbreak Jess, like frustrated Jess, like suddenly all about calling people out and being sexist and being racist and like (laughs) prejudice, all of these things like Jess drinks and things get a little crazy. I don't know. It just, it felt like suddenly this is not the Jess we know.
0: Yeah, the whole thing with Jess was always really weird in the party scene when she drinks. It's just it was just uncomfortable the way she was handling a lot of it and didn't know how to process her sadness, I guess. But also, we've talked a bit about how Cece didn't listen to Schmidt when he was trying to say he didn't want to have sex with her. And that continued that forceful CC nature that we've talked about. And then the other thing that we felt was another thing that kept coming up is we've talked about how Schmidt is kind of fetishizing CC, and they're talking about how Schmidt's cold and he says, oh, does your round skin retain heat? And both of these comments are just Unnecessary, weird, gross. And like, we don't love how Cece treats Schmidt. We don't love how Schmidt's fetishizing Cece. And it's something that we've seen in multiple episodes.
1: Exactly. Like, I feel like we recently said, too, maybe back in Valentine's Day, where Schmidt actually had an accent, like doing an Indian accent voice to Cece. We were like, okay, are we done? Are we done with the Indian comments about Cece? Like, we get it. She's brown and she's Indian. And clearly, we were not done. So, in our pop culture, this episode, we have a few things that we wanted to touch on. First, uh, we have in the car ride that Winston is driving to Mexico. He is singing the song Popular and Defying Gravity from the musical Wicked. And really about the show, Wicked is a Broadway musical. And it was kind of, it's kind of funny. It's a musical by Stephen Schwartz based on a book by Winnie Holzman. But that book is based on the novel wicked the life and times of the wicked witch of the west and it's a retelling of the classic wizard of oz from 1900 and the movie wizard of oz so wicked came out of that
0: (laughs) so many meta references are just this is based on this based on another thing that's so great yeah
1: all streaming from l frank Baum's book the Wizard of Oz. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz is technically the name of, the, of that book. But the musical is really told from the perspective of the witches rather than from Dorothy in Oz. Um, and Universal Pictures had originally planned to develop a live action feature film of Wicked. But then it became a, um, a Broadway musical that actually started in October 2003, I couldn't even believe it. And it actually just celebrated its 16th anniversary on Broadway in 2019. I almost was thinking, oh, of course it celebrated its 17th anniversary in 2020, but probably didn't because there was really no shows in 2020. <laughs> but it, re- it actually surpassed Les Miserables for being like the fifth longest running show. So that's crazy. I actually saw Wicked myself in LA at the Pantages Theater in 2008 with my mom. was really fun.
0: I have never seen Wicked, but the only song I actually know from this is Popular. And it's great that like Winston sang it because I immediately recognized it because who doesn't recognize Popular? And the thing that I thought was really funny when we looked up Popular and Defying Gravity, which I actually didn't notice was from Wicked until Kelly and I were talking and we looked this up. But both of these songs have actually been in Glee, which is like another TV show where they do a lot of songs. But I thought it was interesting that a lot of Glee's songs had included Wicked. And this one was one of them in the penultimate episode in Defying Gravity, which is originally recorded by Idina Menzel, was actually used twice in Glee. So it's interesting that it's coming into a popular culture where all these songs are used. And actually on their Wikipedia page, there's a whole section on all the movies and TV shows that the songs from Wicked have been used in.
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's very crazy how popular and like how widespread Wicked is. And I just get blown away too that this is only three shows, three Broadway musicals have ever surpassed a million dollars in revenue and, or sorry, a billion dollars in revenue. And Wicked is the second highest grossing musical and the only one above it is The Lion King. So very, very popular show. There's so many other pop culture
0: references that are in this episode, but the only other one we're going to touch on in this section is Saved by the Bell. So Nick kind of mentions that all these undergrad kids don't know Saved by the Bell, which is to just indicate their age. And that was an NBC sitcom that broadcast from 1989, August to May, 1993. So obviously much younger than these kids were. And it's a spinoff from the Disney Channel series, Good Morning, Miss Bliss. And so it follows a group of high school friends or principals and it ended up spinning off two more shows a couple tv movies and it's actually been known as one of the 20 best school shows of all time but the only reason we wanted to highlight it here even more is because they actually did a reboot or maybe a direct sequel to the shows that left off around saved by the bell the college years which was 93 to 94 and that actually premiered on peacock on november 25th 2020 so it's a show that I think a lot of people who watched back when they were younger are definitely interested in continuing to watch. And just with the timing of us doing this podcast, it's, it was so close to the reboot that we definitely wanted to highlight that as well.
1: There was a ton, a ton of pop culture references in this episode. I mean, even just that dirt peeing scene, they rattled off like 10 different things We're going to at least leave little notes and references in our show notes for all of these. And so you can uh, go to our our website, smallscreenchatter.com, to find more information on the pop culture references in this episode.
0: So the next section of our podcast is guest stars. And obviously, the one that we're going to focus on this episode is Martin Starr. So Martin Starr is well known for TV shows like Freaks and Geeks, Silicon Valley, Party Down. He's done a couple episodes of Drunk History, was in... Life in Pieces, Veronica Mars. The list goes on and on. And he did some movies um, like I'll See You in My Dreams and the Spider-Man movies. So he's definitely been playing in a bunch of TV and movies lately even because some of these Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man 3 especially is upcoming. So he's definitely still on the scene.
1: You know it's funny. His portrayal of Dirk in this episode was just we we even said like he was kind of icky, kind of like sleazy, not really someone to like. But really, in like Silicon Valley, and then like in Freaks and Geeks, but even in Party Down or Veronica Mars, he plays so many different characters, and he plays them all so well. Like you think that he is kind of typecast into one thing, and then he goes and does something else. So I I definitely appreciate Martin Starr as an actor, and like can't really pin him down as one thing anymore. And just loved even adding Dirk to his resume of this character to just kind of show the the depth of who he is. And some background about him too is that he actually did an interview where he admitted to feeling like frustrated and depressed after he did Freaks and Geeks because it was canceled and he didn't get a lot of offers. But then he was gonna quit acting but then tried being a barista, and that didn't do well. <laughs> and years later, he was offered a role in Knocked Up, the movie. It kind of took off from there. So I guess I'm glad it did, because now he's graced so many TV shows and movies. Kind of continuing on with Martin Starr, uh, one of the things we, th- we found that was kind of fun is that he was the guest actor in this episode, but then was also starring in Party Down, which also starred Lizzie Kaplan. So, it was kind of just fun to see, kind of again, connections with new girl guest stars and other shows that they were in.
0: The other trivia and fun fact we wanted to call out was that in this episode, Schmidt refers to the movie Harold and Kumar Go to the White Castle or Go to White Castle. And that's one of the ones that you can find more pop culture references on our website. But the one, reason we wanted to call this out is the movie had a sequel, a very Harold and Kumar Christmas, and Jake Johnson played Jesus in that movie. So, it's another a situation where everybody is kind of like doing things where they've either mentioned something else or or like interacting with other guest actors that have been on new girl
1: yeah i i've seen harold and kumar go to white castle but i've not seen a very harold and kumar christmas and i think i, I think i have to go see it now because i need to see jake johnson as jesus and see what that <laughs> What does that look like? Let's find out. Nick Miller, Jake Johnson as Jesus. Interesting. Well, that really brings us to our rating for this episode, our ratings. Uh, IMDb gave this an 8 out of 10. Audience viewership was 4.96 million in the US. And I gave this episode an 8.5 out of 10. I did enjoy this episode. I really, I don't know. Fancy Man Part 1 for me was just okay. But Fancy Man Part 2, I really like how they kind of tied together together that storyline. And they really focused on, you know, just a hilarity. I love that everyone was really involved in this episode and that we kind of got to see a little bit of each person's storyline. Um, and just there were real comedy moments. So I really liked it.
0: It's funny that you gave it an eight and a half out of 10 because so did I, but it's the opposite because last episode I gave it a nine out of 10. And I really liked Fancy Man Part 1 better than Fancy Man Part 2, and I think it's because I liked Dermot Mulroney in Russell's character, so I got to see a lot more of him last episode than this episode, and I just didn't enjoy some of the parts with just kind of self-destructing a little bit when... Things didn't really go her way and Schmidt and Cece not really, I don't know, like Cece not really respecting Schmidt a bit. And so it brought it down just a little bit for me. Also, Dirk was just terrible, but it was still a very enjoyable episode. So it got an eight and a half out of 10. But my favorite character was Winston. And it's funny because everything in your earlier discussion about why you didn't like him, how he reacted to Schmidt and Cece hooking up is a lot of the reason I did. Like I loved how he and Shelby made made peace or like got back together and strengthened their relationship in this episode. But I also love that he found out about Schmidt and Cece and that he just couldn't process that this was happening.
1: I respect that. That's okay. You can like Winston. I, I do like Winston generally. Um, my favorite – character in this episode was the coolest guy I know, Nick. I guess that was misleading because Nick called Dirk the coolest guy he knows, but the coolest guy that I know is Nick. Nick is adorable. I love him. Uh, I think he just, the way he says things in this episode, the way he even describes like, yeah, I make drinks professionally five days a week, you know, (laughs) to the, to the college girl was just really cute. I, I just, Nick to me brought the comedy to this to this episode and just kind of his doe-eyedness was, was really fun to see. So thank you, as always, for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate that you join us and hear our take on each episode of New Girl. But we are going to get into our spoilers. So please uh, pause if you do not want to hear these spoilers. But in the meantime, if you do pause, we want to say thank you and we want to... Invite you to leave us feedback and send us an email at whosethatgirlpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at whosethatgirlpod. If you don't want to hear any future storylines, you have five seconds to pause. All right, spoiler time. We're going to talk about our in game couples. First up is Jess and Nick, as always, and oh my goodness this was kind of a cool episode for them. I mean, if you really look at it, like on the the surface level, maybe not because Nick's hooking up and making out with this college girl. Jess is trying to go out and be with Russell. But at one point, like Nick actually says, oh, you know, like he's drunk, but he's talking to Russell. And he's like, you know, it's, you know, Jess isn't really like this. You know, she's not like us. She's one of the good ones. And then later... You know, and you would imagine Jess is kind of drunk still, but like having this conversation with Russell in the car and she's like, you know, Nick is really so wise. Like she, he really understood. And they're having these little moments about each other that they're recognizing that the other person's kind of okay. And like mentally, slowly, but surely they're coming together on the fact that they kind of have feelings for each other. And yes, we're really reading into this, but it was a moment. I actually
0: don't think we're reading into it too much. I mean, everyone who's stuck around this far probably knows or is okay knowing that they're together. And I think that this was really pivotal, like you said, because it's the first time also we're seeing Jess kind of being into Nick more than just kind of briefly. And I feel like we talked about how this is kind of the reason why Um, Russell and Jess break up And I feel like this is the first seed of that This is the first time Like okay yeah she brought Nick to the party last episode But this is where she's saying I really value Nick
1: And his wise perspectives
0: It's amazing We're so happy Although we only gave it a 7 out of 10 But it's just because we know it can get More and more And we're really excited to see it be a 10 out of 10 Honestly
1: So The other couple that we always track, Schmidt and Cece, like we kind of said, it was a little bit of a roller coaster, but they were hooking up again compared to last episode, Fancy Man Part One. Like they didn't even interact. And we were like zero out of 10. Like we're over this. Like they were just hooking up before we're bored. But maybe they knew that in the viewership or whatnot in this moment, because clearly in this episode, not only are they hooking up, like Cece is trying to seduce Schmidt, like Cece clearly has a lot of feelings. She's maybe exhibiting them in a way that Kritique and I don't agree with, but she has a lot of feelings for Schmidt. Schmidt still has a lot of feelings for Cece. And Winston finds out, which is a really big deal because that actually like makes it a real thing. And now their relationship can only like grow or die, essentially, and it's gonna grow.
0: Yeah, so we gave it an 8.5 out of 10 because of all of that. And we really think that CC softening to Schmidt a little bit more, and like Kelly said, Winston finding out meaning that he's probably going to go tell everybody about this is going to make it so real that they're going to have to get together. So we feel like this episode propelled them in a good way. But the douchebag tracker is the last thing we check, and luckily we're not tracking it for Dirk because he would be a 10 out of 10 douchebag.
1: 11 out of 10.
0: but for schmidt we feel like with 10 being a douchebag and zero being this genuine guy we know he gets to he's actually kind of a four and a half out of 10 like he has some douchey comments like the whole manbulance scene was a little bit douchey but when you're comparing him to dirk in this episode nothing he does is quite that bad and he's also kind of sweet and vulnerable with cc
1: yeah, I, I, we, we definitely didn't want to rate it too high because he he had some okay moments.
0: And that's the end of episode 18, Fancy Man Part 2. So Kelly and I want to say thank you always for listening to this episode of Who's That Girl and every episode you've listened so far. We love your feedback, so send us an email at whosthatgirlpod at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at who's that girl pod, or leave us a rating and comments in Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to this now. And we hope you'll be back next week for episode 19. Thank you.